Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Hello. Dave, how are you, my friend? I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm keeping my head above water and <laughs> I, I'm, I'm healthy and I'm happy enough with the situation that I'm in. Um, and yeah, you just got to take each day as it comes, haven't you? And remain optimistic and positive. You know what? That's, uh, that's the same path I'm on. You know, I can't complain. You know, I'm surrounded by some great people and feeling good, healthy and optimistic you know i'm glad to hear it when uh where and what was your last show that you played was it the bungle gigs that you did just before lockdown yeah i believe it might have uh it was san francisco uh february 14th valentine's day a very romantic yeah. night out <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. At, at that point you obviously didn't know that the curtains were coming down and that that was going to be your last show for a while. Uh, you can't have known at that stage, right? No, no, we didn't know. Nobody knew at that time. Uh, although while I was in the studio uh, recording the Dead Cross record, which was at the end of December, I remember uh, a friend of the guitar player or the bass player, he, he had come in and uh, you know, just to hang out with us, and everyone was chatting. And I remember uh, 
he said something in passing, which was like, well, let's hope that virus doesn't hit the states right. or a pandemic or, or something alluding to, you know, to what was going to happen. And, uh, but, you know, of course that, you know, that comment, you know, came and went and, you know, I didn't think about it again until later. It's like, that is this what this guy was talking about, you know? Um, so it, it, nobody saw it coming. You alluded to Dead Cross there, and I, I want to get to Dead Cross in a bit, and I'm very excited to hear that there's a new record by that band on the horizon. It seems like 2020 isn't all bad. Um, but the show, the shows you were doing with Bungle were a celebration, right, of, of the band's like early demo, um, The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny. So were you taking that record and basically performing it in its entirety and then throwing in like other tracks along the way? What were the, what were the sort of average set lists around that time when you were out playing with, with the Bungle guys? Uh, well, let me... Uh... Let me look at my file here because I have a file for, you know, all the notes and everything from every band I'm performing with. Um, and that includes the past as well, does it, Dave? Do you keep everything? No, uh, not really. I mean, I might have some stuff from the past, but, you know, not much. Uh, now that I'm juggling so many projects, I need to file, uh, you know, these notes and 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 uh and such in a way where i could uh, um you know refer to them later on uh, sounds very organized <laughs> no <laughs> hence the files <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah and uh sure enough on speakerphone here no worries and and, uh, and that was scott scott was uh, out with you at no, the shows as well uh, was he yeah you know what uh, i think we're out of luck that's all good. Yeah, out we're with out, of luck. out with the old, in with the new. There's space for for when gigs return. <laughs> I'm sorry, say that again. I said out with the old, in with the new. There's space for more set lists when gigs return. Um, right. How yeah. how were the shows though? Were they good fun? Was that your first time playing in Bungle? Yes, that yeah. was my first time, and yeah, they were a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I played with with Trevor and. Uh, and Mike, you know, obviously in, in, in Phantomus. And uh, always, you know, their potential and, and their, uh, their, you know, musical capabilities are just beyond, you know, anything I've ever played with, you know, it, well, any kind of musician I've ever played with before. And, uh, you know, so working with them, you know, was, was great. It, it was, you know, exciting as always. But the the one guy that really surprised me, which shouldn't have been a surprise because of the caliber of musicians he performs with, you know, in Secret Chiefs, and he also performs with uh, with John Zorn and 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 several other bands. And he uh, where the leads uh, was the guitar playing by by Trey. Yep, and it was phenomenal. There was one time. After one of the shows, uh, you know, laid in bed looking at some of the footage, you know, that some of, you know, the fans, uh, uh, you know, post. This is like after a show, I'm exhausted, you know. And, and man, I, I heard this lead that just blew me away. And, uh, you know, it, it just, I like hearing that. I like hearing, uh, you know, music 
that um, that moves me and excites me. And uh, when I heard the lead, I was just like, man, this guy blows me away. And as a matter of fact, blows away a lot of metal guitar players, you know. So um, it was it was awesome. It's uh, it was really exciting to to perform with all of them and Scott Ian as well. You know, he's he's an amazing, amazing rhythm guitar player. He holds it down, you know, and uh, he's he's perfect, uh, you know, to, to play along to uh, because, you know, he, he's a solid musician. I'd love to get a bit of history, Dave. Obviously, um, I imagine you and Scott go back to the early days of Slayer and Anthrax. And obviously, um, you know, the, the other three guys were, you know, high school friends, right? They were all kind of kids that grew up together and started this band when they were still in high school. How do how do you and Mike Patton first meet? Uh, I believe it had to have been back in 98, I, I, I don't recall when the last Los Angeles Faith No More show was before they split up. Um, at that period so you know i, I don't know I, I'm, I'm thinking it might have might have been 97 98 i had gone to faith no more show in los angeles and i ended up hanging out with everyone backstage and uh that's when i first met mike and uh and then he called me a, a year later um or maybe months later and asked me to be a part of you know fans of us and uh, at that point you know, we've never looked back. It's been, uh, it's been great. We've had a lot of great moments and, uh, you know, we're just, we're longtime friends, you know, it's awesome. Those Phantomus records are far out. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. they're so out there. Uh, I listened to the first two earlier today. Um, that's se- the second one. I, I really enjoyed that one because a lot of those movies that you're scoring are some of my favorite films from that great era of like new Hollywood in the seventies. The first one I was like, fucking hell, this is just a wild, wild ride. I mean, what was it like after you'd left Slayer and you, and you begin working? You did four records, right, as Phantom Asses. Is that kind of a project that will continue again at a later date, do you think? Or are those first four records kind of it, do you think? I hope. I really hope uh, that Phantom Us comes back in one form or another. Yep. Um, you know, um, I, I don't think that uh, people really got a chance to experience uh, that band and now you know I, I'm sure people look back and it's it's almost like a, a legend you know uh, people really don't um, see how we could have performed this live although it's been documented and it's it's out there yeah yeah uh, you did this you, know, you did so, the movie soundtrack album didn't you you did that one live we did that live we did the first album in its entirety live uh, you know, so it's it's definitely possible. So, you know, people that are in disbelief, you know, you know, they uh, they get a, a surprise. But I do wish that you know we could uh, you know bring that back. Um, it is complicated. That music goes beyond any uh, rehearsals that I've ever been a part of. Um, you know, the the one I think classic moment 
between all of us is like, wow, we've just spent two and a half hours on three seconds of music, four <laughs> seconds of music. Incredible. And yeah, and, and you might say, oh, these guys, you know, they can't play three three seconds of music. <laughs> you just have to listen to how complex and how detailed Mike wrote this music. And we had to perform it. There was no slagging or, oh, I'll just do this to cheat a little bit. No, no, no you got to do it like this, you know, or it has to be played like this. And, and I remember specifically the guitar players are like, wow, I have to go from this part of the neck all the way down here and, you know, and try, try to hit these notes. And, you know, it was challenging, you know, or, you know, one of Buzz's favorite lines, you know, all right, guys, we've been working on this for a while. Should we do it one more time? And then Buzz says, I don't know. Do we have three seconds of time in our life, you know, to do this? You know, it's, you know, um, he's just, uh, he's a genius. Yeah. You know, Patton, Patton, Patton's a genius. Uh, what was your first impression of him when you met him? And then when you did get to first start creating and working, it must have been such a change of pace to Slayer and such a refreshing new experience for you. Um, and as you say, he's a, a creative force, but like on a personal level, did you connect as well? Yes, absolutely. We all connected, uh, especially Patton and I, um, you know, I, I don't know what it is. You know, you just, you go through life and you find people you get along with, you know, and people that you don't. And uh, I've been lucky enough, you know, to to be in bands with, you know, with a lot of people that I've gotten along with. And uh, Patton is, is one of them. He's just, he's like a comrade. He's a, he's a cohort. He's, you know, he's like everything. He's, he's, a, he's a friend. And, you know, I can call him and, and I know he's there and he's called me at times where I've needed, you know, to talk to someone and uh, he's been there. And, uh, you know, so it, it's it's definitely special and uh, I'm happy to be a part of, you know, not only Bungle, but Phantomus and, and also Dead Cross. Yeah, well, let's... And, uh, Let's talk about Dead Cross, Dave, because that album, the first one in the EP, uh, I adore so much. There's just there's so much attitude and swagger and heaviness. Um, and I guess, you know, over the years, you've, you've released your own projects through Mike's label as well as working with Mike directly, right? Like you had the film debut album was out on his label. Um, were you always going to approach Mike to sing in that band or did it kind of come about that you were asking him to put the record out and then you were still looking for, for a vocalist? How did he come to, to be involved with that project <laughs> and, and how does that get off the ground? Well, that was kind of funny because we had formed the band dead cross. Um, and you know, the, the idea of vocalist came up and, you know, we considered, uh, the original vocalist, which was the drummer for the Locust, Gabe Serbian, but he couldn't. Uh, he was in a in a moment where uh, he couldn't uh, uh, work with us. So we said, "No problem, man. Just uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and you know find someone else." So we uh, we approached Travis Ryan from Cattle Decapitation. And uh, I said, Travis, would you be interested? And, and he was. I said, well, I have one more vocalist to, to ask. Uh, so just hang on tight. And uh, 
it was funny because uh, I, I received a text from Patton, uh, and he said, "Hey, Dave, if you if the Dead Cross record needs a home, uh, you know, let me know. You're more than welcome." And you know, of course, you know, said thank you, and and uh, I don't know if it was that day that he hit me up about putting out the Dead Cross record or a couple days later, but I had discussed with the other band members and, and I said, Hey, how about us hitting up Patton? And, and you know, they were like, yeah, sure. That'd be great. And just out of the blue, uh, you know, I, I hit him up and I say, Hey man, you know, we ran into some difficulty uh, in completing the record, you know, Gabe isn't on board and uh, we were wondering if you'd be interested. And, you know, and, uh, you know, when you're text messaging, you know, you see sometimes when when the other person is typing. And, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I see him typing and the typing stops. Oh, oh it's, it's never a good type- sign, is it? It always gets you really wound up and worked up. That does. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, then, then the typing, it continues. And I believe he said something like, me? You want me to sing on this? And and he said I would love to, and I was just through the roof. I, I just I sent uh, the other band members, you know, message. Hey, he's in, and they were like, "What?" <laughs> so we got the track together and and sent it over to him, and he loved it, and and started banging them out. And I'll never forget receiving like at one a.m., two a.m., uh, you know, these tracks. You know, my phone would light up and. I'd wake up. Oh no, Patton! He just sent another song, and you know, listening to it, you know, in the middle of the night. Um, so yeah, and, and it's been it's been great since. And and right now, we completed the album. Uh, I completed the drum tracks. Uh, it was like I think right before New Year's, around Christmas time, and then the rest of the the guitar player and the bass player finished. Uh, they're tracking sometime in January and right now we've been receiving, uh, you know, tracks from Patton with some of his vocals and, um, and we're really excited to, to get that, you know, monster <laughs> record out. Um, is there, is there a release date in mind? Is it going to be like next year, early next year, late next year? When's it going to be? Do you think? Uh, we don't we don't have an exact time frame yet. Uh, I, I, it's definitely sometime next year. Uh, right on. Yeah, really. There's there's no rush, <laughs> obviously. And uh, <laughs> I'm just being so, selfish because I'm excited to hear it. Honestly, oh, I know. <laughs> I, I love that well, first record and EP so much. They're such raucous, just amazing kind of hardcore thrash punk just explosions of energy and, and melody and there and ross produced the first record right is he has he done this latest one as well what's the deal with the yeah, yeah he has yeah yes, he did yeah that's he, ross robinson for anyone listening. yeah he's uh he's definitely uh on board for this one he's he's worked on it with us and and you know which is great because we get we have the basic structures and the basic ideas for the songs and then we get into the studio and we work with him and he, you know, throws out some ideas, you know, typical, you know, producer, you know, role, which I really like. And uh, he just helps put the songs together, 
with us and adds more ideas and you know it, it's just a great uh working relationship you know that i've had with ross now for a while and um, where does that relationship know, with him begin mm, uh probably 2013 or 14 there was a uh, a project i had done with him uh, that never saw the light of day, but I think the song will be released sometime. One, one of the songs that I worked with him back then uh, will be released, uh, and uh, the proceeds are going to save uh, this, uh, this company called Save the Stages. Yep. Uh, and it's like a nonprofit, and of course it's to help, you know, uh, you know uh, people that work you know, um, in the, in the music and the theater world and, and music industry. Um, so yeah, that, that, that'll hopefully be out soon. Um, so I, I can't give you any details. I haven't got a press release. I'm still under, you know, lock and key when it comes to that subject. That's all good, man. Well, hopefully it yeah. isn't this. And if it is, I can take this out, but I, I gather that you were working for quite a while on a record with Casey chaos. Who's a good pal of mine. And, I mean, do you know anything about that? Because he seems to have been working on that thing for years and years and years and years and years. And I'm like, Casey, when are you going to put this album out, man? And he's like, oh, no, I'm doing new stuff now, more tracks. And he said he had you drumming on a bunch of the stuff. It's not uh, It's not that project, is it, that's going to go to the Save the Stages thing? No. Cool. Okay, no, we, can no, keep, keep, no. we can keep this in then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's not it. you know anything about Casey's project, or is that just there's a big question mark over that one? You know, there's a big question mark over that. Uh, I recorded the tracks. Uh, there's there's uh, something going on where, I don't know, he hasn't finished the vocals or, or something. You know, so I, I, I honestly don't know where that stands. He's got to get that was out. Something that, yeah, that's something that I recorded. I was done with it, and I never heard anything about that again. How about Ross as a producer, um, you know, on a working level? Because he's, he's one of those characters. There's stories and, you know, there's almost like a mythology around that dude of some of the stuff that he's like put the – well, not put the performers through, but coaxed out of them, right, to get these amazing results that he's gotten over the years. Um, obviously, you're not the vocalist, so he's perhaps not coming at you from, from that angle, but does he drill you as a drummer and push you to, you know – create the very best like is it par excellence when you're in the studio with a guy like that is it intense is it fun is it light like what's your experience been like of working with ross uh for me i mean i've heard those stories as well uh making vocalists cry (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know and you know and, and getting the vocalist to feel a certain rage and an anger and to channel that uh you know in their you know in the recording of their music which I find very positive and, and a good uh, attribute to have as producer, because one of my favorite, you know, moments and experience with a legitimate producer was working with Rick Rubin. Of course. And I find, you know, that that um, that kind of like uh, that. I'm not, I don't know what the word to be like, like the support or just the enthusiasm in which you know a producer motivates you uh 
uh, it, it matters. And I saw that same uh, style in Rick Root in, in uh, Ross Robinson. And um, so for me, he doesn't need to get um, deep in uh, in in trying to find certain emotions to to make me sing in any way. Uh, you know, for me, <laughs> you know, we have a joke kind of between him and I that you know he said, "All right, Dave, imagine you're on your motorcycle. I used to ride motocross, or you know, just trail riding on, on dirt bikes." Yeah, and uh, he was an avid motocross fan, so we found that common thread, you know, aside from music. So he said, "Imagine you're on a track and you're taking this turn. You're about to hit this jump, and you know you're about to do it. And with that same adrenaline, out, you know, he'll tell me, I want you to play this part with that same energy, you know, where you don't know if you're going to land at the other end of the jump, but you're going to do it anyways." And then I'll turn to him and I'll say, without a helmet. <laughs> and he said, yes, you know, I'll do it without a helmet. So, uh, you know, I'll take it a step further and try to deliver the, the musical section the way he's, you know, envisioning it. And, um, you know, so for, for me working with him, it, it's more about enthusiasm and, and um, you know, having me work out a certain part with you know creativity and and pushing the creativity boundaries and trying to get the best performance out of me and um so it you know in retrospect that's what you know reuben did for me you know back then um you know i'll never forget him you know standing in a control booth and you know Bob in his head, you know, jamming to the song. And then when I pull off the drum roll, his arms go up in victory. It's like, yes, you know, and uh, I, I don't know. It's, 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 there's, uh, it's fun working with the right producer and it shouldn't be a, uh, a, a moment of emotional pain or anything. Oh, I can't do this part or whatever. It shouldn't be like that. It should be, uh, you know, an enjoyable time. How important and central was Rick Rubin to the success of Slayer, do you think, in those early formative years when he was around and he was kind of actively guiding you guys, you know, sonically, creatively? How, how you know, how important was his role in that story, do you think? Uh, he was, uh, uh, he was like the, the fifth musician you know, in the band at that time, you know, his ideas were so valuable um, that I feel that his uh, his part, you know, in honing in the band's sound and um, and their songwriting style and structure, you know, was very, very, extremely uh, important. Um, he, he taught us a lot, you know, in, 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 the, in the idea or the notion that less is more and, you know, less reverb on the entire mix, you know, uh, you know, tight, high, holding in the, the drum sounds was important and, uh, you know, and everything else that went along, you know, with his contribution. 
um, it was a big part of the band. What about in a broader cultural sense, his role in, you know, music for a time was, you know, I think so exciting and he was so linked to so much of the cross-pollination going on with Slayer and Beastie Boys and, you know, I mean, it was it was a really kind of thriving time for cross-pollination, wasn't it? And And Rick seemed to be like the guy that, you know, the alchemist almost in the lab cooking up and, and encouraging that. Was that his role, do you think? Was that kind of what he was all about? Well, I think that cross-pollination comes natural with a person that holds no boundaries when it comes to working with different musicians. There is one love, uh, and that's the love for music and not love for a certain genre of music. So with his ability to to work with several styles, uh, I think that happens, you know, naturally. And, you know, I think, you know, the success of the band um, with somebody at the helm, uh, it it gives a little more validity to to the musicians and and the direction and 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 what the band was all about. He just seems like such a cool guy as well. Very zen. From what I from what I remember, yes, he, <laughs> he is. Yes. What was your favorite Slayer album to make, Dave? Um, either just from the strength of the material, you think, or just the process of, of creating and having fun making it. Have you got a favorite that stands out as your particular favorite spot in your in your time in that band? Um, you know, I, I... Of course, the classics were fantastic. You know, Rain and Blood, Shout to Heaven, you know, Seasons, you know, Christ Illusion. Uh, but I think... That one special album, I feel, and unfortunately, Rick Rubin wasn't a part of it, uh, but we had another producer, which was Greg Fiddleman, who is very close to Rick Rubin and and the way he works. And uh, I think it was World Painted Blood because it was Hanneman's, you know, last enthusiastic effort to create a body of work that, you know, had more of his participation. Um, you know, I, I, that one is because it is the, the most recent is, and it's to me the last Slayer, you know, uh, you know, when the band was fully together, you know, with Hanneman King, Araya and myself, um, you know, that album I, I feel has magic and, and some of the parts I hold very dear to my heart because, um, uh, I remember seeing, uh, seeing Hanneman's uh, enthusiasm uh, towards the songs and his last uh, uh, writings. Um, so, yeah, I, I would have to say World Painted Blood. Were you and Jeff close? Did you get on well with Jeff? Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, when we were on tour, it was Hanneman and I hanging out on the tour bus, uh, you know, before showtime and before soundcheck. You know, uh, the other two members, either Tom was on his own tour bus or Carrie was inside the venue in, in the dressing room, you know, because we all kind of like separated. Uh, and uh, Hanneman and I would be the ones, you know, on the bus. And, you know, I'd throw in music in the back of the bus and, you know, he, he'd come in, who is this? You know, and ask me questions and, you know, oh, have you? And I would share different music that I, you know, discovered and, and uh, and then you know, likewise, it, it was just we would always joke and laugh and uh, yeah. 
definitely. We we got along. You must really miss him, man. Like I think when you lose someone like that, yeah. you've been through so much with it. Must be so hard. Yes. Uh, his uh, his his wife Kathy hit me up yesterday, and you know she asked me if if I would be okay with with her releasing some, some photographs of Jeff and I, and uh, I, I told her absolutely, of course. You know. And uh, you know she said in her text message, you know Jeff really loved you, oh. and you know that and that was really cool, you know, and and I know where that comes from because you know Jeff you know has told me that and uh and um you know just little stories and little comments here and there and just little interactions that you know we had there was something special and uh and i think the music really showed for it showed you know that camaraderie so yeah good times and uh, Kerry, Tom, any contact there, or have you just drifted away from those guys over the years? Yeah, drifted away. Yeah. And that's that, is it? You think that'll just be a chapter in yeah. your life that was then? And yeah, yeah. Sometimes that happens, everything. doesn't it? That's just the, you know you were saying earlier on. You get on with some people, you don't get on with the others. And sometimes yeah, in exactly. life, you have to just go. Well, that was then. This is now. That was a part of it, but it's not a part anymore. Yeah. You do. You have to. You have to look at life that way. I mean, uh, I believe psychologists and have said, you know, and scholars have said, you know, you go through friends, you know, like in, I don't know if it's five or ten year increments, probably somewhere in between that, you know, and and there are some that stay with you for for a long period of time, but you know, it's part of growth, and uh, music is definitely a big part of growth, and. Um, and I think, uh, you know, you just have to learn to, to roll with it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave, speaking of five-year increments, the last five years for you, forget about COVID for a minute, um, but beginning really... I think in 2016 which was a huge year for you um you start playing in two of the greatest bands ever 
And <laughs> um, I want I want to go in first of all. Uh, let's go into Misfits first. Um, I gather that just from hearing you on a couple of other podcasts and, and interviews and things, you weren't, although you were into punk as a kid, you kind of missed the Misfits. Like That was a little bit before your time. So you didn't actually grow up listening to them. And, and so when it came time to learn the material, you had to almost just approach it like a new band, uh, which we will get into in a minute. But first of all, the, the offer to join them, how and when and you know where does that come from? And what was your immediate reaction when, when you get the call or the, you know, the word? How did it go down well, and what was your response? All right. To, to get to that, let's uh, let's look at the Misfits, one of the most iconic bands, punk bands of our time. And when when I started getting into punk, Misfits already had ended. Uh, you know, Danzig, you know, had moved on, moved on, and uh, and I might have heard some of the songs, but. At that time, you're always, at least for me, I was always searching for the heavier, the faster uh, punk bands, you know, the ones with the most attitudes, the ones that their sound, you know, appealed to my, to my, what I wanted to hear in a band. And, uh, you know, I would listen for the drummer, you know, drum sound, the energy, uh, of course, you know, the vocalist and everything. So at that time, I was already getting into Minor Threat. You know, I was captivated by Ian McKay's vocals, you know, and Dead Kennedys, of course, you know, with, with Jello and, and the ferocity of the band and, and DJ Peligro, uh, DH Peligro, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, his drumming was on fire uh, or and still is. Uh, so I had already um, moved on from certain sounds and... Um, I really didn't grasp the, the misfits, uh, you know, musical style. Then as time goes on, you see the misfits logo, you see Metallica covering the misfits. Yep. You, you start seeing how deep uh, this music by this band has, you know, how much it's influenced and, and how, how deep in the, in, in the blood of, of metal, uh, this music, you know, really is. So I received a phone call, well, actually a text message from Glenn Damzig's assistant. Hey, Dave, Glenn wants to talk to you. I expect a phone call from an unknown number. I said, all right, you know, several minutes later. At that I point, Dave, are you, are you, have you got any idea in your mind about what this call might be about? Or are you completely you know, in the dark? Completely in the dark. Right. And and so I receive this phone call and I start chatting with Glenn and, and uh, he says, Dave, you know, look, we're, we're going to get the misfits uh, back together. Uh, Jerry and I have, have resolved our issues. And, you know, I told he said that he told Jerry that, all right, if you want to get another guitar player on stage, it's something along these lines. Uh, don't quote me. Uh, you know, you could, you could pick a a guitar player, uh, a second guitar player, but I am picking the drummer. I want Lombardo. And when he told me that, I was like, wow, thanks. He said, no, Dave, you're the guy for this. And, um, and he, he said that, you know, they plan on doing, uh, you know, some stadium shows. He says, this is going to be big, Dave. 
And, and sure enough, we were selling out arenas and playing soccer stadiums in Los Angeles. And, uh, it, it was, it was surreal. I, I, I couldn't believe it. And when I started listening to the music, I immediately fell in love with, with the songs, the rhythms, the melodies, the choruses. And I felt like I had missed out on something amazing in, in the late seventies, early eighties and, uh, full of regret. I was like, damn, why didn't I get into this before? <laughs> you know, but I realized that, you know, I was just in a different place. I was constantly evolving in my taste, you know, and love for certain styles of music. So, um, so as I started listening, I, I started falling in love with these songs and, and, uh, understanding what they were trying to do at that time, what the drummer was trying to do. And I tried to make, uh, recreate these songs as close to what they were trying to deliver on their records. You know, I didn't want to add, you know, drum parts that people aren't going to recognize. I tried to stick to the original Misfits and, uh, and so far, uh, they're super happy, uh, <laughs> you know, very pleased. And uh, one of Jerry Only's quotes, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know what year Jerry Only was born, but I think he commented on the year that he was born. He said, man, bringing Lombardo in is like throwing a Lamborghini engine in a 57 Chevy. Something like that, you know. <laughs> And uh, so I'm really, uh, I'm really happy to be a part of, of the original Misfits. I love working with Doyle. I love working with Glenn and, uh, and Jerry. He's, he's just a, a grade A human being. That's cool yeah. that Glenn brought you in and you were Glenn's guy to begin with, but you've managed to form like close connections with all of them. That's that's a beautiful situation to be in because sometimes, I guess, if you're brought into a project by one member and there's some tension between them and another, that can create a rift between you and that person, can't it? But that's cool. Yeah, but yeah, but no, everybody is is uh, is great. You know, everybody knows their position and knows you know what their part in this celebration. Uh, of music is, you know, and, and the fact that they've, you know, um, you know, put their differences aside after so many years of disputes and stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's great. It's great. And to see them on stage, you know, from my, you know, my side of my, from my view, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's still surreal. Well, the drum seat's the best view in the house, right? It's got to be. It is. It is. <laughs> you, you see the crowd you see their reactions you see all the the bandmates around you and their chemistry and interactions with each other and I, I i mean if i could play i'd definitely be wanting to be sat right there like that's the best vantage point going for me you know and you know what else has been amazing to experience to say the least was the how loud the the crowd sings to these you know, sing along to these songs right. that were written God knows how many years ago. And, and their fan base is so passionate that they're, 
louder. I, I hear it from my monitors. I have earplugs on. My monitors are blasting. And, you know, and I still hear, you know, the fans singing along to the songs. So that's how special, you know, this music is. And when, you know, my wife mentioned that she's out in the crowd, she's like, everybody's singing at the top of their lungs. And it's like a celebration, singing and dancing. And that's everybody in the stadium. You know, it's not just a couple people or whatever, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's thousands. And, uh, and they're probably really singing really along to every single word as well, right? Not just the choruses. Word. No, no, no. It's every single word. Or picking up on a chorus and trying to finish up. Oh, I know this song, <laughs> you know. No, they, they know every verse and every chorus, yeah. That's, and they must be just a beautiful sea of characters as well because it's a real subculture, isn't it? The Misfits universe. It it's it's beyond just music. It's fashion. It's you know it's hairstyle. It's tattoos. It's it's like that kind of rockabilly culture, isn't it? And then there's sort of it obviously is. the horror element as well. And and they're they're like a Motorhead band that unite the punks and the metal people, and and they kind of cross all boundaries and genre borders. And it's just like this one cool freak show it must be every night where it's just like oh my god the circus has come to town again this is great yeah and that infamous logo yes go that infamous logo that we've seen so many times and and even before i heard of the misfits i seen that logo and you know it's so iconic and uh, you know they're really lucky to have something like that and they're able to, to you know, uh, uh, you know, create merchandising line around it, and you know, it's it's fantastic. And, and, and what, like I said before, what, what's more brilliant than all the success, it's the fact that Jerry and Glenn have resolved, you know, their issues, and uh, that to me is 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 brilliant positive vibes all around and will there be yeah. more will there be more shows do you think oh yeah 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 these guys are rich in the play you know <laughs> they, they try to dangle the carrot oh we'll do one show two shows but you know when we get off stage and and we're all like you know concurring on on how you know great the show was and and uh, just talking about everything you know everybody's pleased everyone's excited you know, all right, let's play another one. All right, we'll see. We might have one in the future. We don't know. It's like, come on, guys, let's let's do a tour or something. But you know, everyone has their own uh, side projects and other bands, and and so that this gives us a chance to not burn it out. Yeah, and um, you know, and, and keep it exciting for everyone, including the fans. Yep, yeah, and also gives us a chance to do our own thing. I love it. So hopefully loads more years of occasional misfit shows here and there. And they're always, as you yeah. say, an event, an occasion, a celebration. Go big. Yeah. Go home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Go home for another six months and then, then do another show. Yeah. I'm excited to play the UK. Oh, we're excited that, to have that, it over here. Oh, man. That would be phenomenal. Uh, you know, but they're going to want to have their own stage uh, props and you know all their own you know stuff you know with them to make it an official you know uh, uh misfits show so that, that's going to take some planning and and hopefully 
uh, when um, when all this you know uh, pandemic is resolved and you know we'll be able to get back to normal business. Yeah, that that's a London O2 Arena show, I think, right there, isn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going to go from one cult iconic band with iconic logo, um, and again, like there's a whole subculture and fashion and and style around this band as well, and and to have landed in both of them in the same year, just incredible. And another super super fun band. These guys, I imagine, you have a lot more of a history and a familiarity with from the get go. Um, suicidal tendencies. Is it Mike who hits you up and is like, "We're looking for a drummer. Do you want to get to work?" Yeah, <laughs> that's simple. Uh, I was uh, I was boarding uh, one of those ships, one of those cruises, metal cruises. Yeah, with right, Dead right. Crop, with the original formation of Dead Crop, and uh, I received this. Oh, wait. I can't remember who hit me up and said, hey, Mike is, is going to give you a call. It seems like there's always an assistant or, a <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. or someone that calls you up. Hey, man, is it okay if he calls you? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> of course, man. What, do I scare people or what? <laughs> you know, and, uh, and so I said, yeah. Oh, yeah, now I remember who it was. And, uh, and so as I was boarding the ship, um, Mike calls me and here I am, I'm with another band that I just, you know, just started and we're going to do our first few shows. Uh, and, uh, we, we just start chatting and, and, uh, he said, look, you know, I'm having trouble with this existing drummer. Let's, uh, would you, would you be interested, you know, to, to do some touring and, and working with us? And, you know, like, like the Misfits, you know, like when Glenn Danzig called, you know, when you have the lead vocalist call you, uh, you know, there, there was no, you know what, man, uh, I need to think about this. Uh, you know, I don't know. I might not have time. It's like, no, fuck no. You know, Mike Muir calls you. Hell yeah, man. Let's do it. You know? Yeah. Let's get to and, work. Uh, let's get to work. Yeah. And, you know, they were in a different direction, I believe, musically, you know, they're uh, the, the, the punk fire um i believe was missing and uh you know he was very interested in bringing that back and um you know i I told him obviously yes i would do it and after after the very first or during the very first rehearsal uh the band you know had gone through the songs first and then mike came in and he started you know singing along and um, after one of the songs, he was so happy, smiling, and just like full of joy. He came up to me and went by, behind my drums and gave me a big hug. And he said, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, from, from that moment on, we've been, you know, working together and, and having a great time doing these shows and these tours all over the world. And, you know that year 2016 was was an odd year by contrast uh there was a lot of negativity going on in the world and in my personal life and i was at that time with dead cross misfits and suicidal tendencies especially with uh, dead cross i was trying to channel everything that was happening in the world you know with with the bataclan uh terrorist attack and you know, living in fear, 
basically, as we all in the Western world uh, were experiencing. You know, I, I had some musical angst to get out. Yeah. And um, and so with, with all the good that was happening, there was negative negativity, but it seems like I was able to channel all of that into not only Dead Cross, but working with suicidal and, and working with the misfits. And um, so it was, it was an amazing year. And I'm still holding on to that, you know, year because it was like the embryonic stage of where I am right now. And, you know, juggling four bands. And I feel very fortunate because, you know, everyone has other projects and everyone's understandable understanding of others, you know, schedules. And, you know, uh, we make sure to send my schedule to Mike, the misfits. Hey, guys, I have a show this day. You know, try to leave this off the calendar, but I'm open, you know, you know, these three months. So, you know, everybody, you know, works together and has a very, uh, very good working relationship. And now things are, you know, kind of, you're busy. Um, Does that positivity feed into the personal life and does that start to become, you know, better and healthier and, and, uh, and happier as well through the work? Yes. Do you you find that? For me, yes. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I've been able to weed out negativity, uh, you know, just, you know, just, some ticks that just you know that you just need to pick off because they're just uh, you know like I said before you know every five to ten years I don't know what it is you know scholars have said that you know humans go through you know changes and friends and, and sometimes even lifestyles and uh, so I've been able to weed out you know negative aspects of my life and, and really focus on the good and the healthy you know, parts. And, um, so that in turn contributes to, uh, your ability to learn music in a, um, in a stress-free environment. You know, you, you just, you just look at things a little differently, uh, without, you know, because, you know, when you, when you're stressed out, let's say about learning a body of music, you know, that, you know, could overflow into something else. And, you know, that will be, uh, that will create, you know, some snags in your ability to learn because it's in the back of your mind. And, you know, so being able to place the, the different challenges that you have in your life and their respective little boxes and then just put them away when you're done with them or, oh, I need to go back reference to, to this one and I need to go back and work on this. And, you know, once you have that down, and I'm happy that within the past five years, I've been able to master that. And I think the reason for that, uh, and, and no, no, the, the results are the ability to um, to juggle, you know, four different bands. And uh, it's definitely, I, I feel like I'm in a really good place. You know, my state of mind, uh, energy, health, um, yeah, and everything that goes along with it. Yeah, everything's, on in a good place. I'm happy to hear that, Dave. I'm happy to hear that, and and rightly so. You know, you should be content. You should be proud, and and you should be excited 
about the future and, and just to kind of bring it full circle again and, and touch on this bungle album one more time so that must have been an incredibly i don't know whether therapeutic is the right word but a very cool process to you know especially for those guys for trevor for trey for mike to revisit this record that they wrote in 1986 when they were childhood friends all these years later to reconvene um with yourself and with scott ian like you know two of the dudes that are just from that era which would have been influencing the music that they were writing at that time you know 1986 thrash was just exploding uh, obviously anthrax and slayer being you know key players in that scene and to get the five of you together um to make this raging wrath of the easter bunny record um were you all in the studio together uh, and and how was the process i bet it was a trip i bet it was wild well it, what's what was great about the process is that we learned the music um studied the music before we ever got into a room together so we were exchanging demo tapes uh re-recordings of of you know the the bungle record um that trey had done in his studio and then i would you know send him um uh, you know, a version with my drumming and, and, uh, that would get, that was circulated around the band. And, you know, so there was working prior to the shows. Then the rehearsals came along. We had, I think five or six, uh, rehearsals before our first show. And those songs are brutal. They are brutal. Uh, they, to, to, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the complexity, the, the, the length of those songs. Yeah. There's a few you know, eight to nine minutes in there, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> and it's one part into another, into another section. And so that's like, Oh my God, how am I going to re- remember all this? You know, of course, you know, I, I've had to make, you know, notes and, uh, even Patton had to have notes on stage and, 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 uh, Trevor, I think as well. And, um, so we just we just really had to buckle down and 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 work hard and, and trying to you know deliver this music live. Uh, but my biggest complaint, you know, of the the process of releasing music and uh, recording and releasing music is that you record the music, you don't play it live, you record it, you learn it in a rehearsal studio, and then after time you know, you release the record and then you play it live. This music, we were performing it live first. Yeah, you did it in reverse. Yeah, so we were able to capture the energy that a live show demands. Yep. And we we were immediately able to enter a studio with the blood flowing, you know, from those shows through our bodies. Yeah, you know, we were still resonating and vibrating with excitement from the shows. Did you and get we in the studios fairly that. soon after the shows, Dave? Yes. The only thing that held us back is that both Mike and I uh, were really sick with the flu. Um, and we got really sick in Brooklyn, in, in New York. Yep. And we needed one extra day off. So our, our last show was the 14th. And, and so we, we had said, okay, we travel home on the 15th, start on February 16th, which was my birthday. And I said, guys, I called them up and I was still recovering, uh, from this fever that I had. And 
uh, I said, uh, guys, let's just take one more day off, please. So we took off the 16th and then uh, resumed and started working on the 17th. And which was very helpful because I don't know. And there's a couple promo pictures and you see me passed out on the couch, you know, <laughs> at the studio. And that's because I was recovering from the flu and, uh, you know, the, the touring. And uh, so we were able to record this album, all of us together. I was obviously isolated because of my drums, but I had everybody in my view. I had Trey. Uh, you know, Scott, Trevor, and Mike was singing along, um, and we recorded all the songs together. Uh, which Amazing, was fantastic, yeah. And there's some, I mean, raping your mind, bungle grind, mathematics, racist. There's some incredible tunes on there, and it's so different to any Mister Bungle record that's preceded it. Way, way heavier. Um, I think it's going to be a real surprise and a good one at that for a lot of people out there. Uh, I know there's a few tracks already doing the rounds, but it's a hard-hitting record. It sounds like a really fun record as well. It sounds like you had a hell of a time making it. And as you say, when you're coming off the back of live shows, you're already dialed in, aren't you? And you're yeah. just hungry to go. Yeah, and, and the album, you, you hear it. You hear uh, a live energy. And I'm happy that we were able to capture that because there's like a ferocity when you when you're playing um, when you're playing live and the adrenaline you know is kicked in and you're just like ready to to slaughter and uh, <laughs> yeah at least you know my drums that's, you know? that's what you uh, do as well yeah it's, it's, I have to do it that way uh, and, and you know to be able to capture that. Uh, is really special. And then, like I said, you know, going back to the beginning of what I was trying to say, that, that that's what a lot of records miss and could have much more. That's why some of the recordings are just so much more exciting. And, uh, you know, it's like, man, I was five BPMs faster on this. And when I recorded it, I mean, like, let's say, for example, uh, another band, let's say I'm playing live. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm playing some live shows. The songs, recorded are much slower than when they're performed live i think this is going to be actually the bungle shows are going to be actually uh the same with that same energy uh, and i don't think we'll be able to go faster than that because then it, it'll just sound ridiculous <laughs> but actually <laughs> the recording of this upcoming new uh, uh pay-per-view show that mr bungle has it's going to be uh it's brutal and it's fast and it's exciting just like the record hell yeah i gotta ask you two things finally before i let you go dave the first is in regards to the misfits do you think there will be any new material or will they leave that catalog where it is and just you know take out the hits and and keep it there in a time capsule and preserve it or can you it's not hard say for me it's hard for me to you know, uh, predict because, you know, life has, you know, throws you so many, you know, curveballs and, you know, that you really can't, uh, it's, it's just difficult to predict. I personally feel that they should exhaust this music that they have, the old catalog, because it's so you know, good frankly, and there's so much of it. It's that good. And, and, it hasn't been exhausted. You know, by the time everybody, you know, discovered the misfits, um, 
you know, they had already broken up and they weren't playing live anymore. And I feel that with the current lineup, um, I, I feel it would be a great record if we do. But I, I don't, uh, you know, it's not something I would push. I, I would just like, let's just play all this, you know, the classic albums and and uh, keep enjoying ourselves and go from there. It's crazy how many hits they've got. Like, not hits in the traditional sense. Everybody, when they look at Misfits, would go, oh, Last Caress, they're a one-hit wonder. But you're like, no. The thing with these guys is every song's a hit. Like, the way it's written, yes. they're so catchy. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's, it's weird because when I listen to those songs and when I had to study, study them when I first was asked to join the band, uh, there were so many similarities to classic rock and roll structures and, and chord progressions that made me feel that I had heard this melody somewhere before. It made me feel I heard this, this chord progression before, uh, or it, it was just very, uh, you, you, you're just recognizable. And so, you know, with that said, I feel like this music has many, many years of of live performances without, uh, you know, the fans ever getting tired of them. Amen. And I know you're an extremely busy man, and I know you have many commitments, and your file is obviously already full. However, um, is there anybody out there as just a fan of music that you would one day absolutely love to work with? If the, if the opportunity came you just put down everything and, and run to the situation. Is there anybody like that in your life that at this stage in the game, you think, man, they're still doing it. And I would, I would love to work with that person one day. Wow. I think that that question is, is so wide, you know, there's so many, it's not just a particular genre either. Um, it's many different genres. And I think a lot of people would be surprised, you know. Um, Coming you know, from the guy who's done like Vivaldi tracks, I don't think at this stage anybody would be surprised <laughs> by you, David. I'm, I mean that as okay. a huge compliment. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you know, so I mean, there's many, many. Uh, to pinpoint one, because I'm a big fan of James Brown. Hell yeah. Uh, and Bootsy. And, and, oh, of course, producer. Yeah, uh, you know Bootsy Collins. Yep. Just to damn with that guy, you know. Uh, to that, and that's the only guy that right now that just crosses my mind. But th- there's many musicians. There's so many great, uh, so much great talent out there, and, and legendary talent that, um, you know, it'd be funny to see the uh, the the collaboration. You know, and not funny in a in a sarcastic or disrespectful way. You know, it's just like, whoa, it it happened. You know, or it can happen, and and look how the genres met. It almost goes back to the the open mind of of Rick Rubin and, and working, you know, with with various acts and making it happen. And I, I kind of feel that way when it comes to drums. You know. Um, there's a, always a possibility of of um, a collaboration with the most random, you know, musician <laughs> that you think of. So, 
Oh man, the ri- yeah. the rhythm section connect of you and Bootsy would be unreal. It would be yeah. otherworldly <laughs> great. I'm sure it would. What what a great pick. Love it. It, it would be fun. It would be <laughs> a lot of fun. And the stories, that's oh, one man. thing about this new Bungle, uh, you know, uh, uh, album has it has been. It's listening to Trey, Trevor, and Mike talk about, you know, like a fly. I'm just sitting there like a fly on the wall, just minding my own business. And they're just chatting about some random guy that they knew in high school. <laughs> and, you know, just their stories. You know, it, it's just endearing to 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 see this and uh, and, and to watch their their friendship and 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 then every now and then you come across a picture online of them when they were kids. I just recently saw one. Patton was on drums, and obviously Trey and Trevor, uh, you know, uh, on their respective instruments. You know, and I was just blown away. It's like, wow, you know. I relate. I relate to those times because I was there as well, not in their world, but in my own world. So I, I see how much that means to them and how important it is for them to, you know, put this record out. And I'm so happy to be a part of it and I'm honored and, you know, I I, I couldn't be happier, dude. <laughs> I love it, man. What a pleasure yeah. talking to you today, Dave. Thank you so much for giving up your time and uh, congratulations on everything. And I'm really happy to hear that life's going good. And once the doors reopen, there's going to be so many shows for you. You better, are you keeping, you, are you keeping your chops tight? Are you practicing every day? I guess when was the last time you had a jam with another human? It, has it been a while? Uh, it, uh, yeah, it was recent. It was recent. Nice. Um, yeah, no, the chops, I was worried there for a minute <laughs> because I had to pick up drumsticks, what, since February. And yeah, you know, I played a little bit here and there, but you know, recently I got to work on a movie score for an upcoming uh, Netflix movie, and and uh, you know, I realized, okay, I still have it, great, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it it's uh, you know, I'm staying trying to stay as healthy as I can, you know, eating properly, exercising, doing what a typical 55 year old is supposed to do. Well, supposed. To do, you know. <laughs> so I mean, I'm doing my best. Right on, and what you can do with the restrictions in place as well. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, thank you again for your time, dude, and uh, I hope to see you in the new year at one of these shows and one of these bands doing your thing. And um, I can't wait to hear that new Dead Cross record in the new year as well, man. I, I await that with ex- with great excitement. Fantastic. Well, I'm excited for it to to wrap up and and you know put a nice bow on it and release it as well uh but in due time but it's there it's done and it's it's slowly being uh uh completed oh uh i just found uh the mr bungle brooklyn steel set list from february 10th there you go okay so it started off with the theme from mr rogers (laughs) (laughs) of course uh, anarchy uh, of the anus, I think it's called, spreading the thighs of death, and then a COC song, I believe, must have been lost for words. Uh, I hope I'm not wrong with that. Uh, it went into glutton, uh, malfunction, raping your mind, sit there, uh, bungle grind, mathematics, hell awaits into summer breeze by seals and crops, <laughs> <laughs> erases, then it goes into cold war. 
than uh, um, hypocrites, cucaracha, uh, habla espanol, <laughs> world up my anus, uh, faith no more, uh, teaser into seven seconds, sudden death, and then USA by the exploited. Wow. That was the last song. Yeah, that was the set list. Always surprises <laughs> in the mix, isn't there, with Patton? Always. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, good. with uh, La Cucaracha and, uh, and Summer Breeze. Yeah, that's <laughs> when I had to pull out the glockenspiel. Yeah, I bet you nobody knew how to play glockenspiel, you know? <laughs> and most of that new record is in there as well. I love it. Yeah. Well, the yeah. new old record. Do you know, the year that I was born was 1986, Dave. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. I was 21. Jeez. <laughs> you have a, right. a brilliant day, my friends, and uh, I hope too. to see you in 2021. Thank you so much for your time, dude. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.